0: hi guys welcome to in our community podcast where we interview common people doing extraordinary things in their communities i'm your host Hitty from resurrection movement studio on episode four of this podcast i sat down with coach matt and coach michelle at speed and power summit which was held at the end of september in tinton falls new jersey i think this episode is particularly beneficial for coaches who work with youth athletes and the parents of the youth athletes as well as the youth athletes themselves, as we sat down to talk about what we learned on day one, how we hope to apply the concepts that we learn, and what we hope to take our youth athletes training program from here on out. Let's get started. So this is a uh, special episode of this podcast as we're recording this at the speed and power summit in Tinton falls new jersey we just got done with day one of the uh, incredible summit this is second time for coach michelle and i to be here it's first time for coach matt basically what this is is we had four hours of lecture presentation from phenomenal coaches from um, all over the country And then followed by in the afternoon, we had three hours of hands-on sessions where we actually got to experience uh, what these coaches were talking about. Um, So hi, Coach Matt. What's going on, Hitty? How are you? Good. And hi, Coach Michelle. Hi, Hitty. Still calling you Coach Michelle is so weird. (laughs) So from here on out, Dupes will be your name. (laughs) Uh, So the listeners know when I refer to Dupes, it is Coach Michelle. So we started the day with Rachel Balkovec um i have never heard of her before this if i'm quite honest with you but i learned so much from her she was talking about constraints-led approach training and this was phenomenal and i found myself thinking um this is more of the stuff that we need to do. Because as coaches, uh, I'm sure you guys can relate, we end up telling our clients uh, what to do a lot of times. And sometimes we just don't get the results and we get lost. Um, But her solution to when we come across problems is to present a solution um, by giving them a physical feedback, which is fantastic. So the example that she presented was this was a baseball batter who was shifting his hip on his swing uh, forwardly um, as he took the swing of the bat. So his hip was starting in one place, but by the end of the swing, his hip was shifting forward. And as a result, his core was a little bit hyperextended in the picture. So what she ended up doing was putting a tall hurdle, which was about his hip height, right in front of him. And that alone that subtle just putting the hurdle in front without any cues any words or anything like that fixed his swing to where she wanted to be so she works with the uh the houston astros or she has worked in the past with houston astros and these are the results that she was able to get through this approach and she applied that concept and approach to everything that she talks about today so what did you think you guys think about that um as far as that that session goes and what was your takeaway
1: Before we talk any more about that, I think it's important to mention that she was the first female strength and conditioning coach for Major League Baseball, uh, which is really uh, phenomenal in itself. Uh, Yeah, her, I was very motivated. I I said a couple of times that I wished we could go back or I wished it was spring so that we were getting ready for our summer athletes program so this could all be really fresh in our head. Uh, So many things that we could use to incorporate into our program.
2: Yeah. Coach Matt, what would you think? Um, I liked it a lot. I mean, she talked a lot about just interacting with the players, and it's nice because the people that she was working with are the same age that we work with, so she's not trying to incorporate working with you know 30-year-olds. She's working with 16-, 17-, 18-year-old kids, and that's right where we're at. So it's nice to kind of see what she's doing and being able to just move it right into our training session and being able to interact with the athletes in the same way. Um, right. She made it really easy to understand. Mm-hmm. And, it was, I mean, I knew what she was talking about. I wasn't really sitting there confused at any point. I always kind of knew what she was saying, and she just came across perfect.
0: Yeah, and part of the things that she talked about that was just um, – like an affirmation for us was the culture aspect. She developed some of the philosophy in regards to her, the culture that she tried to develop develop with any of the teams that she works with is phenomenal. Earning that logo, so like you work as a team and try to, you know, work hard to earn that logo that's on your shirt. Um, And then making small competition within the practice or within the training session, because kids feed off of that. And competition in regards to like a healthy competition, not like a, you know, downright like let's knock each other down kind of competition but you know if you're sprinting have them chase each other and have the entire team team cheer them you know cheer them on um that kind of concept is just so key in developing that culture where everybody's bought in everybody wants to be there everybody wants to train together and sometimes you know i, I relate some of the things that i learned in these summits to the dance program side as well in regards to you know she was talking about Developing leader within the organization Mm -hmm. and letting that leader um, have responsibilities to, you know, take the lead amongst other dancers or other athletes. You know, those kind of things was very reaffirming in a sense of like, okay, I think we're headed in the right direction.
1: Right. Absolutely. She. uh, Well, I think the whole theme for all four of the speakers today too, simplicity. You know, you think Major League Baseball, you think college athletes, you think all of these programs must really have something big that we don't know about. But really what they talked about a lot, most of the coaches talked about keeping it simple, working on the basics.
2: Yeah.
0: And Rachel was good about talking about, you know, just teaching these kids fundamentals. She was talking about a um, what was the term that she used? She used the term uh, secondary emotions, teaching the teaching the kids about secondary emotions and how to develop that skill mm-hmm. so basically what that is listeners is you know kids are going to experience something so if they feel defeated uh, if they lose or if the if the game is becoming lopsided right so let's say you're on a football field the score is 42 nothing you can tell it in kids body language that they're defeated they're mm-hmm. sad they're upset okay so the secondary motion is what are you going to do with that? What is the solution to that? The great example that she gave was within the warm up for her team practice. If the she makes it complicated, that it's bound to happen that an athlete is about to make a mistake. Is they're going to make a mistake throughout that course of the dynamic warm up? She has trained them to a point where she taught them: Listen, if you make a mistake, all I want you to do is raise your hand and say, "My bad." My bad. My bad. My bad. That's it. And then just kind of let go of that situation and move on. At beginning, in the beginning, she said, you know, the athletes are going to think this is the silliest thing ever. But as the, the training sessions goes on, they're going to buy into it and they're just going to naturally say it. By doing so, you're teaching them to say, OK, you made a mistake. Just say that you made a mistake and then just let it go instead of harping on it, just harnessing on that feeling and letting that carry into the rest of the session. That ability to have the secondary motion, I think is so key. We run into a lot of athletes where even in our training sessions, they get so frustrated because they can't do one thing, mm -hmm. right? So we need to teach them how to fail. We need to teach them and give them the tools to come out of that failure in a positive light and just leave that behind.
1: Failure is an opportunity to grow. That's what I wrote down from her session. And it really is. In the gym and in life. It's true. So, yeah. It, Go ahead.
2: Um, I just think it's key to teach these kids, especially at a young age, that when you fail, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You just, what can you do to fix it? Mm-hmm. How can you not fail the next time you try that? Like mm-hmm. if you squat 225 and you get stuck. Don't, don't get upset. What are you going to do to fix it? You're going to come in the next three, four weeks, kick butt, and squat 235. And then look at that. You're past where you failed and you're better Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, maybe pouting or not trying or just quitting, you Mm -hmm. know, just turn it into a goal and go after it.
0: Right. And these like mindset type of things is so important because I think it's, you know, as I have a little kid, you know, like when they fail, our reaction as a parent is, oh, it's OK, it's OK. So you almost like coddle them, coddle them when they're little. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've seen like participation trophies where everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> um, and I get part of that. I don't fully uh, agree with it, uh, but at the same time, as the kid starts to grow older, one of the things that I'm quick to tell athlete is, Listen, I want you to fail. Mm -hmm. And which is a funny thing for a coach to tell your kid, right? Like, hey, I want you to fail. Or as a parent to say to their kid, like, I want you to fail. Um, But it's because the lesson that I hope that they will learn from that failure would mean so much more than if they were to just succeed in
2: life. Mm -hmm.
0: Because that never happens. Right. Right. Yeah, because if, yes.
2: if you never fail, you're not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. If you just squat 135 for the rest of your life, sure, you're gonna you're gonna do it forever. Right. But but you're not gonna get any better.
0: But on the other side, we also need to understand that we need to teach them the skills to be able to learn from that mistake. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? What does that look like? What does that process look like for each individual? I don't think it's a global, like there's one way to do it. It depends on case by case, kid by kid kind of situation, but just kind of like teaching them individually how to fail and how to overcome that and how to get the most out from their mistakes. And if I
1: remember correctly, she said she wrote her warm up so that they would fail and told them you will fail. And when you do, just put your hand up and say, my, my bad. bad. Yeah. And then that translated to one of the players on the field one day. He had an error in the game and raised his hand and said, my bad, and which she never expected it for that to translate from, you know, the, the strength and conditioning component to the actual field. But it did. So she knew that that really made an impact.
0: Yeah and i feel like we can go on and on about just (laughs) rachel's session to be honest with you i mean we're all fired up from today and i'm sure the conversation is going to continue on even after the podcast but the next one that i want to cover and this was the most um this was the one that i was really really excited about tony tony holler um he's a speed coach and i've been following him for a while and i was super excited to see that he was coming today um, he's a track coach by nature and he shared with us some of his knowledge. His presentation was titled feed the cats, making speed the one and only priority. Um, and his philosophy on speed training is drastically different from what is out there in strength and conditioning, which I don't know if he mentioned it to you guys on the hands on session. He said, speed and conditioning, the title of the speed and conditioning coach should really be speed and uh, strength and speed coach which I totally agree after his session. His approach to speed session is so unique, um, but he's produced tremendous results. So basically what it is, is he has a speed day and a X factor day and he basically alternates it depending on how frequently the athletes train in the speed day basically what he's doing is you know speed mechanics drills um a lot of skipping lots of bounding uh, and that kind of stuff on the x-factor day he's working on some jump variations and it was so neat to see and hear from him and i can see how i would like to incorporate that into the youth training uh, because I think he's right in a sense that the central nervous system plays a major role in athletes to be able to quick react quickly, to be able to be quick and fast. And it's like a vital component to any athletes that you look at. What'd you guys take away from that?
1: Do less, achieve more. That was his tagline. Yeah. That again, you know, sometimes we think big and we don't need to just, uh. Simplify, keep it simple, work on the uh, the important things and train for what you want to
0: achieve. Yeah. So I found that really interesting. And that that's that's really true is, you know, when I think of like sprint training, I've been in the guilty. I've been guilty in the past of like doing 10 sprints. Mm -hmm. His thing was he only does three full out maximal speed sprints per practice. And that's usually at the end. And he times it. He said, if you don't time it, it doesn't count. And so I think I'm going to have to invest in some equipment to be able to time our athletes on their 40-yard dash to be able to, like, measure and compare and so then we have some data to work with. Um, but at the same time, his minimalist approach to speed training was fascinating.
2: Yeah, it really blew my mind when he was saying about how, like, their hardest practice was they did three 200s in 10 minutes, like, with three-minute breaks. Like, I remember in high school we would do couple 200s and then you'd move into a couple 300s and then do one or two 400s and then come back down and i mean those days were brutal but that's way longer than what he has them doing and i just thought that was
0: right ridiculous
2: it almost doesn't seem right like when he Mm -hmm. said that i was like that's so weird just looking Mm -hmm. back on what i used to do right but i mean you wonder if it's enough yeah yes It's like that doesn't sound like enough but i mean his success doesn't lie
0: Mm -hmm. And we and and, and I think it's important to kind of mention that, like, three of us have a really different viewpoints, but very interesting perspective on this entire training thing in general, because, Matt, you're probably you're still young. So you're still like the high school (laughs) memories are still fresh in your mind he's saying i'm not no but dupes you have you have a son who is involved in high school sports so you get to see this day in and day out you know throughout the year and so you're probably thinking in in, in a different mindset because you see this happening and you also get to work with some of the athletes at the studio as well and i'm just kind of like you know i get to work with the high school athletes and hear their stories but like I don't know what they go through in their practices as far as the smallest details go. I just hear about it. Mm-hmm. So I think all of us have a unique perspective on this topic in general because our, our, where we are is a little bit different. So,
2: right. yeah. yeah. And I like how they just, you know, came right at like the old school football coaches, you know, <laughs> conditioned like crazy at the end of a practice and. Just makes you think about that. Like, we did all that crazy stuff, and like, we'd be walking up, like, man, we feel great. That was hard, but and then it's like, he's like, you don't need to do that. And I was like, ah. Yeah. And
0: so that's really important, right? So, Tony's thing was conditioning is not necessary. Right. Conditioning is done through playing games mm-hmm. and. They get it at uh, practices is basically what his point was. And he put a great point. He said, I had a guy who, uh, a football guy, he was training. In one game, he had 32 carries and had 315 yards. He was beat by the 30-second carry. Like, he was really tired. Um, but there was no way, no conditioning program or any drills that you could do that would have prepared him for that 30-second 30, 30 carry. There's no way. So he said, I'd rather have him have 20 great carries where he felt strong, where he felt good, where he felt healthy, Mm -hmm. than 32 crappy carries, which he might have been able to get the same yardage, but, you know, he might have been even more beat
2: down. Yeah. I like that that one thing he also said about, you know, just why build endurance when you can build speed. And Mm -hmm. he said, if my guy runs, what do you say, like 22 miles an hour at max, but then when he's tired, he's running 19. But your best, your, your fastest is 18 miles an hour. So he's like, my guy's tired but still running faster than your guy at his max speed. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, that blew my mind.
0: Right. And I think other things that people often confuse is being conditioned and being healthy are two different things. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he had these, he had this two numbers thrown. And I don't know exactly, I don't know if you guys wrote it um like but he said healthy, yeah eight, 100% 80% healthy eight, 80% in, shape or, something like in that. shape or something yeah would you rather have an athlete who is 100% health, healthy and 80% in shape or 100% in shape 80% healthy and he said i would take the 100% healthy athlete any day of the week because his job is to perform on that game day he even said on a if you look at the entire week um the hardest day the hardest working day for that athlete should be the game day not the training days the game day should be the hardest working day and that should be the day that he feels 100 percent healthy so if we're not doing our job in keeping that athlete feel that way on a game day then we got to change something
1: right athletes mm-hmm. that feel good are going to compete the best that's mm. those are his
0: words yeah
1: yeah i was surprised too he was talking about uh, sprinters don't need to stretch Mm. <laughs> that that really uh surprised me also something you know you always think about runners need to stretch
0: right well runners and sprinters are two different things right, right? so right. that's the two <laughs> two things that he defined as well runners is like a long distance run what did mm-hmm. he say was he was like he said a
2: running's not time sprinting is sprinting is timed or something yeah. like that
0: yeah. yeah you have
1: your uh help me out this shoes. Yeah. The spikes. shoes, spikes. 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 It, yes, yeah, yes. It, it's not sprinting unless yeah, you have so your spikes, spikes on. on. Yeah, yep, yep. spikes
2: and being timed
1: doesn't get yeah. a time. It doesn't get timed unless you have your spikes on. Yeah. spikes on.
0: And I think it's also important to note to the listeners that, like in the training world, in the fitness and strength and conditioning or strength and speed world, there's a lot of contradicting contradicting information out there. So us as coaches, our job, part of our job, is to really look at all the information and say what works best what doesn't work best and it's a lot of trying and error for us and that's why you know if you've been with us you probably see our approach change you see that our especially in our athletes program we've changed our model so many times already (laughs) there's definitely essentials that we keep in the program but after this weekend i think i'm going to change the format of the Mm warm-up i think i want to do a little bit more speed training based warm-up where we work on speed and then hit the weight room and the weights and there's different focuses that are different elements that I'll be looking into as far as lifting weights goes as well.
2: Yeah, cuz yeah. what was he saying like the best sprinters don't look like they're trying. Mm-hmm. It's like they're not muscling through the form. They're using their, you know, the elasticity, the the rigidity of, you mm-hmm. know, everything else and that's what's powering them through their form through the cycle of their legs instead of, you know, just trying to muscle through it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes them a lot better than, like, the big bulky guys you see trying to lumber down the, <laughs> the track.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so then I do definitely want to touch on the last two presentations. I think we can kind of combine into one. Um, we have Mike Robertson um, after Tony Holler talk about restructuring and streamlining your workout program. And then Zach Evanesh talking about simplifying uh, speed training. Um, Zach was funny. Uh, <laughs> he was very, <laughs> he was very funny. Very funny. Was really you don't um, want to mess
2: with him either. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! No. So like squeeze my head off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, these are all great, especially coaches. Like these are great resources that you can follow on social media. All these coaches have their s- accounts available where they share information. Um, so if you're interested, definitely follow them on their social media pages. So what was your takeaway um, from the last two sessions?
2: I kind of like the third one just because it was more basic, you know, just went over simplifying, structuring your workout. What's where you go from, you know, foam rolling to get your stretches to making sure you're warm to your heavy resistance and then back on through. Um, And I like that, especially just working with not necessarily athletes, but just sometimes when you're personal training, just with, uh, you know, your average person Um, sometimes, i get people that like to question you're like why do i have to foam roll every mm-hmm. time and i was like i can't just say because i said so all the time <laughs> right um, so
0: explaining the why is important right i always absolutely. actually i encourage the athletes to ask why um because that question why allows them to understand why it's important to do and i feel like a lot of times there's the, the common answer is because i said so or because that's how i've always done it or that's that's mm that's how we've always done it kind of thing. And, and I think as coaches, if you, if that is your answer, we need to dig deeper. Um, and so if I catch myself wanting to say like, because I said so, I usually dig deeper into myself and say, why am I saying that? Or what's the, the, what, what really is the reason? If I don't know the answer, then I need to do more studying. Uh, that falls on me. Um, but the, I liked how he laid out the, fa- the, the program over a line of the workout, too. It's like, you know, you start with the rolling, like you said, and stretching and dynamic warm-up and reset and all that, all the, step, all the seven steps that he listed. And there's value to that. And I think that's where we can work better on is showing them the value to the clients of each steps.
2: Not, not to jump back to Rachel's thing, but I really like how she was teaching her baseball players about the muscles of the shoulder yeah and making it fun making they made it fun and they're learning something they're not just why am i doing this why am i picking this weight up and putting it down 10 times this is stupid it's like no this is why you're doing it because when you go out and play your sport it's gonna make this part better or that part better and then i feel like they more they buy into it more than just this is just lifting like i'm not here like athletes aren't here to lift they're here to play their sport they're here to play basketball whatever right they're not lifters so you have to kind of convince them and what did um zach say trick them into (laughs) doing getting them to do what you want them to do because it's going to help them or just you know just show them like you need to do this because when you're on the football field this is going to make this part of your game this much better
0: right and you know the the one question that i always like kind of chuckle inside my head is like an educational component that we can really throw in right like when you're in the weight room you're not just working muscles like i i want them to get away from thinking what muscle group am i working it's a movement it's a functional anatomy in a sense of like we're doing this for certain reasons for certain movement pattern because it's how the body's designed to move instead of like hey i'm doing a bicep curls to get my bicep bigger well how's that going to help you in your sport it's not going to because when are you ever flexing your bicep on a football field Unless you're doing a touchdown celebration and you think that's a good celebration pose, I mean, that's you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, like, we have to get away from that thinking of what muscle am I training because that's not helpful, right?
2: Right. Like, I, like, over the summer, I feel like we got a lot of I hate trap bar deadlift. Why do we do this? all the time (laughs) i'm just like because it works so many different muscles that you don't even know about like Mm -hmm. isn't it just for your legs (laughs) like yeah but then it's your back has to stay flat Mm -hmm. those muscles are flexed shoulders have to be back you know And they're just like oh yeah
0: and in particular to trap bar deadlift i always tell them you know the best of the best athletes they are able to go from tension to relaxation i'm not talking about tension and just like holding your fists, but attention as in like squeezing your entire body and then going to a super relaxed state so it's in ath- athletics if you think about it is just a constant up and down of tension relaxation tension relaxation and you have to go back and forth because if you're tense all the time those are the kids that burn out really fast like they run 10 yards and they're gasping for air because they're super tense they don't know how to relax their bodies and so that's how I try to correlate to their field performance into what they do in the weight room. Because I think when they are able to make sense, that's how you can create even more buy-in. Um, so guys, we do have to wrap up pretty soon because we're coming up on the 30 minute mark. Is there anything in particular that you learned today that we haven't talked about that you guys wanna share with the listeners?
1: No, I think I'll go back to the gym, a stronger coach. Uh, you realize how important coaching is. Um, coaching style and what you're going to implement and what message you're passing on to the athletes or to your clients. Uh, And one of the things that I wrote down that I thought was really important is that um, motivation often comes from success. So you want, every time they come into the gym, you want them to find success. So I thought that was really important. I liked that was a big message I got from today.
2: Yeah, that was really good. And I just think, again, like, like I said before, athletes, they're not athletes to lift. They're, they have a sport. So getting them to buy in, showing them what they're doing is going to help them, convincing them, you know, getting their trust or earning their trust even, getting them to buy into what you're doing is just the biggest part. If they don't trust you, if they think it's they don't like it, they think it's stupid, you're not going to get anything out of them. But you get them to buy in. Show them you're there for them, not for yourself. You'll have a successful athlete, I think.
0: Sure. Um, And then finally, and I think I'll start this one, um, words of encouragement um, to our clients and our athletes, our coaches that's listening to the podcast or the parents that's listening. For me, I think the biggest takeaway today is, you know, just culture culture is so important and culture starts from top down so as a leader of the organization for me as far as the rms and the commotion dance program goes i really need to get my priorities in order as far as what i want the studio experience to be like for each individual. And that's going to be different from a general population client mm-hmm. to an af- athlete's client. And I think I started doing that over the summer when I wrote down what I wanted for the athletes. Um, but I think I need to sit down and really think about for a general population, what do I want that to look like? For dancers on the commotion program side, what do I want that to look like? And what steps do I need to appropriately take to make sure that that environment and that culture being instilled in the place? I think for the longest time, it's been my fault that, like, I've been kind of fluffy about it. I think I just wanted a positive vibe, and that's a good thing. But what does that mean? I think I would want to kind of dig deeper into looking at that. Yes. What about you guys?
2: Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. You just if, if, if it's not fun to come to the gym, people will stop coming. It has mm. to be a positive environment. They have to like who they're with. They have to like what they're doing. I mean, if you don't like your trainer, you're not going to go train. Right. Feel
1: good about what you're doing. Feel good about what you're going to do the next time you go in. Also important. All part of that culture that you mentioned.
0: And I I do have to say, I think you guys are both doing a phenomenal job of that. And I think we can continue to do that better as a team. Mm -hmm. And as the listeners, I hope that this is an encouraging sign a sense of, hey, like, I want to train with those guys. And if you are looking for a good facility to work out in, we're always here for you. And we're going to be fired up coming back from this weekend. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please don't hit to forget to please don't forget to hit the subscribe button as that helps us to generate this podcast out to more people. Well, thank you, Coach Matt and Coach Michelle, for being with us today. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.